Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. We are thankful and grateful tonight. We thank you, Father, for an opportunity to be in your house to hear your word. We pray, Lord, that tonight you give us of your spirit to speak to us. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you glory and adoration and we welcome your presence. We pray, Lord, that the words that shall proceed out of my mouth shall not be of man's wisdom. But let it be the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. We glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you mount a clap offering, a big clap offering to the Lord, and you may be seated. Wonderful. Well, tonight um, is the final night for our messages on symbols of the prodigal son symbols of the prodigal son um, tonight is a conclusion of that message and i i believe by the grace of god that you have been blessed um, through this series of messages you have learned something you know as i was you know i was going over the message, the going over the various um, services and going over the various messages, I realized that we have shared so many things, so many things. And uh, I was amazed the things that the Holy Spirit led us to share. And I, um, I'm believing God that we learned something from this and we are, it's not a message that just passed us by. But we took something from these messages. And um, so tonight we want to conclude on our series. And I want us to read the scripture for the last time. One more time. We want to read Luke chapter 15 as we are putting away this series. We want to look at it one more time. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. Now tonight, what I want us to do is, I want all of us to read it together. Can we do that? Yes. Wonderful. Today we have a Bible on screen, so if we can all read together. Okay, so we're going to read from Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to the end. One, two, three, go.
wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with a husk that a swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was here and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry now his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father had killed the fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father and, in, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never givest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. And as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf, and he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Hallelujah. Why don't you clap your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Wonderful. So, the story of the prodigal son. We have shared so many things from this very story. And we said that this is the story about God and two kinds of his children. It's about God and two kinds of his children. And we are saying it is us, the kinds of children that God has is us. 
we who are in his house. These were two sons of God's children in the house. And we said one of them took a journey into a far country. He took a journey into a far country. Now we said not the far country, but a far country. Do you remember? See, so we are recollecting what we have learned. We said he took his journey into a far country, but not the far country. Because there are so many places, there is not one specific place that puts us into a far country as Christians. Do you understand? So the Bible said he took his journey into a far country. You see, as Christians, we have our own definition of what is a far country. So the Bible says he took his journey into a far country. Now, a far country is in relative to the father. Do you understand? Relative to the riotous friends that he had, relative to the halots, and that was not a far country. But it was in relative to the father. In relation to the father, he went into a far country. Now, there are several things that can put us into a far country. But Christians usually assume that there are certain things that can put you into a far country. There are certain things like stealing. You know, when you are a thief, it puts you further away from God. Do you understand? We think that certain things, if you, 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 you are involved in fornication, these are the things that put you far away from God. But there are so many things. That is why the Bible says he took his journey into a far country. Nothing specifically, but a far country. And we say that sin takes us far away from God. Sin takes us far away from God. And as far as God is concerned, every sin is sin. Do you understand? Any kind of sin is sin. And as long as you are involved in a certain type of sin, it makes you far from the Father. It takes you into a far country. Hallelujah. Then we talk about right and wrong journeys. Do you remember? We talk about right and wrong journeys. And we say that the journeys that people take are a result of what is in their hearts. The journeys that people take are a result of what is in their heart. This young man did not suddenly just wake up in the morning and then he took off. There were certain things that were building up in his heart and then he made a decision to come to the father and say, give me the portion of goods that followed to me and then he took off. So it is the thing that is in our hearts that makes us take certain journeys. Hallelujah. We read a scripture in Proverbs 4 and verse 23. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The real issues of life, the journeys that we take, the places that we go, the things that we decide to do, they are all issues of the heart. They come from the heart. Hallelujah. We read another scripture in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. Matthew 12 and verse 33. Look at that. It says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree, could you pause for a moment? Yes. He said, either make the tree good 
and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruits. Do you see? So the nature of the tree, you can tell the kind of tree it is. If you see a beautiful tree with leaves, green leaves and beautiful, it may be very attractive. It may be very attractive, very beautiful. But you can tell the nature of the tree until it brings forth fruits. So the end of the tree or the product of the tree is what tells what fruit it is. Do you understand? That is what Jesus was telling us. And then verse 34, he says, Oh, generations of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Do you understand? The overflow of the heart is what the mouth speaks. So if you want to really know someone, if you want to know who a person is, what is in your heart, you have to hear yourself speak in the abundance of your heart. Do you understand? That is why sometimes certain places, certain meetings, they provide food. They provide food and when people are eating and they are happy and they are laughing, they are drinking and they are happy, you see, you, they start talking. Do you understand? They start talking and if you are wise, that is when you know what is in people's heart. Then the abundance starts overflowing. The next one, that verse 35 says, A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus is saying, the good that you see coming from people or coming from a person is a result of a treasure of good things in his heart. If you see good, any good coming from someone, it's a treasure of good things. He says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart. The goodness that is coming from a person is a result of the treasure in his heart. The treasure of good things. And when you see someone doing wicked and evil things, it is out of the evil treasure, treasure of evil in his heart. Hallelujah. So he's saying that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance. You see, when things are in abundance, when anything is overflowing, when it's in abundance, there's an overflow. And the overflow, you have no control of it. Do you understand? What is overflowing is just overflowing. You can't control what is overflowing. But what is in it, what is filled, you can control it. So when it starts overflowing, that is what you will see. That is when you will see what is really in the heart. When there's the overflow, the abundance of the heart. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So if you want to know what is really in your heart, the journey that you are about to take or the journey that you are making, look at what is in your heart and the way you will know what is in your heart is to hear yourself speak on your unguarded moments. To hear yourself speak during your unguarded moments. Hallelujah. You see, when we ask you questions, whenever you are asked a question, you realize that you don't speak right away. 
especially if you go for an interview and they ask you a question, you pause for a moment. Isn't that what you are taught? You are taught to pause for a moment and then answer the question. Now, whenever you pause, you are drawing from your wisdom. Do you understand? Whenever you pause, you are drawing from your wisdom. And it is the application of the knowledge that you have, and then you polish it up and bring it out. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You draw from your wisdom. When you are asked a question, you pause, you think, and then you draw from your wisdom and respond. Those are your guarded moments. So always there are some form of appropriate answers. But during your unguarded moments, during your unguarded moments, it is an overflow. You don't pause. That is why when a person is angry, they don't pause to speak. When you are in a fight or you are in some form of, you don't pause and think of what you are going to say. It just overflows. It just the abundance. And, it over, and that is truly what is in your heart. <laughs> you don't like what I'm saying. Hallelujah. You don't, you, 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 you don't control what you are saying when you are angry. It is not from your wisdom. Amen. It is from the abundance. Hallelujah. Say it is from the abundance. It's from the abundance. Or when a person is happy. When you are happy, you know, when you are happy and you are laughing, you, you don't pause to answer questions. You, it just flows. So it is the abundance of your heart. So we were saying that usually you'll find people, for instance, when they are in a form of argument or disagreement or a fight, you hear a person say certain things. You know, you hear a person say certain things when the person is angry. And if you are around, you get surprised to hear a person speak like that. Do you understand? And then later on, even if you confront the person and say, I mean, I was surprised that you said, you said, did I say that? And then you say, you see, I'm usually not like that. But you see, that is how you usually are. If you pay attention to that, that is how you are. That is what you really are. The abundance of your heart. That is a real treasure that is in your heart. You don't like what I'm saying. Amen. So that is how you will know what is in your heart. To know what kind of journey. So that will determine the kind of journeys you will take. The kinds of decisions you will make. The second way we mentioned that the second way you will know what is in your heart is by looking, up, looking at the end of the things you do during times of inconveniences. Do you understand? During inconveniences, the, time, the things that you do, they show the things that are in your heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You look at what you do when you are offended. If you are in a church and you are offended, the action that you take, the decision that you make, the things that you do, it will show what is really in your heart. Whether you are loving God, serving God, or you are just pleasing men, or you are looking for the the honor of men. Because when you are offended, you are in a church, you are in a marriage, you are in a group, and you are offended, the thing that will make you stay is the real thing that is in your heart. 
If it is because of God that you are here, there is no person that is here that can offend you to the degree that you will leave the house of the father that you love. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? But depending on what is in your heart, depending on the pride that is in your heart, you see, so that offense alone can drive you out. You came to sing and nobody clapped for you. Nobody clapped for you. Now, you'll be offended depending on who you think you are singing to. I came, I rehearsed for these people and I tried my best and I sang my best for these people and at the end, they didn't even give me standing ovation. You see? But if your mind is that I am singing to please God, then whether they clap or they don't clap, you are very happy. You are very happy that you were able to sing the words from the beginning to the end without forgetting any to please your God. That is what is important to you. Not that the people were happy with what you did, but that God is pleased with you. And that should always be what is in our heart. Is it pleasing to God? Amen. Amen. What, what you will do when you are tired, it will show what is in your heart. You are tired and you prefer to sleep. You say, I cannot sleep if the house of God is holding a service. I cannot sleep. You see, that is what is in your heart. And there's some of you, it troubles you. It troubles you to be home when church is going on. You cannot stay home. And that is what is really in your heart. But there are some of you also, it doesn't matter at all. You are tired. Ah, you, it does not matter. You, you, you can be having open heavens with angels descending and ascending. It doesn't matter to you. You see? So that is what is in your heart. Amen. You, are, you know also what is in your heart when you are faced with the opportunity, for instance, to work for extra time for money. Do you understand? To work extra to make more money. You have that opportunity. It's given to you. It's open. And then there's service. There's church. You will know what is in your heart. You don't understand what I'm sharing. I'm going over the messages that we have shared. Amen. So you realize that people will always find time and find the ability to do what is in their heart. What is in their heart? You see, for instance, I mean, what is in your heart, if what is in your heart is a camp meeting, you would want to go. You would want to go. And it's, it would not even be me or it will not be, I will not be the one to call you to ask why you are not going. You will come to me and say, Reverend, it troubles me so much that I'm not able to attend this camp meeting. I wish there would be a way. Reverend, pray for me for favor before this favor. I just um, took time off. I just, um, my colleagues have taken time off. This one, pray for me that I can have favor. If it is in your heart. Do you understand what? Because you see, what is really in your heart? What is really in your heart? What is really in your heart? You will find time and the ability. If you are a single woman and you, you, there's a promise of a beloved, one of my pastors have said that, you know, 
they are we are bringing someone someone is coming you have a beloved from another state who is coming to the camp and you have not seen him for a while you do even if it is one day for the camp you go true or not true so you will always find abil- I mean, the ability and the means to do what is in your heart. And when you find yourself doing things like this, examine yourself and say, this is what is in my heart. This is what is in my heart. If I have promised that my, one of my fa- pastor friends bring in some fine guy for you, you know, I, want to, I want to introduce you to Whatever you will do to be at a camp meeting, you'll be there. You'll be there. Amen. Then we talk about the spirit of independence. The spirit of independence. Do you remember? We talk about the spirit of independence. That we mentioned that God created us to be dependent on each other. To be dependent on each other. And that when we search for or we fight for independence prematurely, it is evil. When we fight for independence prematurely, it is evil. Amen. Amen. We said that an evil spirit must have come upon the younger son to make him behave the way he did. To make him behave the way he did. This is someone who was coming from a wealthy home. Someone who lives in a rich home. Whose father has it all. Whose father has servants in the house. And then he suddenly takes off. To go and be with all kinds of people. And in the end, eating with pigs. I mean, it's only the devil that can make a person do something like that. It's only the devil that can make a person do something like that. And we say that independent spirit, when you want to be independent prematurely, or you are not prepared, but you want to be free. You want to separate yourself. It's an, it's an evil spirit that is ministering to you. It's an evil spirit that is ministering to you. You want to separate yourself. This young man in the family... Nothing is, not, nothing is troubling him. All provisions are made. And he made testimony to that. That in my father's house, even the servants have extra. The servants have savings. The servants have enough to put some aside and give to others. So for him to suddenly take off, is an evil spirit. Amen. And we say that in premature independence of this nature it leads to destruction and it leads to death. And if you remember, we gave an example of a baby, a premature, a baby that is born prematurely. A baby that is in the womb of a mother and at four or five months, you are itching to come out. You say, "I I, I can't be here. It's too much. There's no light here. You know, how long, can, how, can, how long can I stay here? I have to get out. I have to get out. And they say, wait, wait. You say, no, I have to get out. I'm tired of always being in a swimming pool. 
I'm tired of you know people seeing things and I can't see anything. I am tired. I cannot be controlled where I don't want to go. They are taking me. I'm tired. When they want to sleep, I have to sleep. I'm tired of that. You see, this is the kind of things that is ministering to us. And then we want to come out prematurely. And when a child comes out like that, the child doesn't do well. Isn't that so? When a child comes out like that, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It can lead to death. So premature independence, evil independence, it can lead to death. Hallelujah. And we, are, we say that it is the devil that ministers to us. It is the devil that brings things to our thoughts. It is the devil that brings things to our minds. You see, we often think of the devil and we are expecting that the devil will come to us in some horrible creature. Some horrible form. But, and that is why when people are depicting the temptations of Jesus, you see they have the devil with the horns. And the de- if you see the devil like that, if you, the devil comes to you like that, would you go and meet him and have discussions with him? There's no temptation then. That is no temptation. That is obvious. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? If you, if you are there and, you know, you, some naked woman is passing around you or you are you living in a place and then every time you see this woman intentionally, like half-dressed, and then she, it's like you have a roommate. She's like going to the bathroom. She knows you are there. You see, if you see that woman with fire in her mouth and horns coming out of her hair, while she's half naked and she's passing by, would you be attracted to? Perhaps you move out the same day. <laughs> you move out the same day. Do you understand? So then that is not temptation. That you can easily escape. That you run away. Nobody will chase you. You will run away. If you see something like that. But you see, you will see a very beautiful something passing by <laughs> every day. And then you say, then thoughts are coming to you. Ah, but why is it that every time? Do you understand? And then you also turn and you look. And then your eyes. And then you are following every day. So one day you will see that you are in trouble. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. One day she will say, can you put lotion on my back for me? (laughs) You see? And then you will go and put lotion on her back. But if you see fire, horns on on her head, and fire from her mouth, and then as she opens her mouth, you see one tilt like this, and one coming out like this, and she says, can you put lotion on my back? Would you go and put lotion on her back? You run! Be honest. So that is no temptation. So don't expect the enemy, the devil, to come to you in, you know, like a um, horrible creature. They are thoughts. Thoughts. Pleasing thoughts that come to you. Pleasing thoughts. Thoughts that you like. Things that you like to do. And those things, the flesh likes them. 
Do you understand? Those things, they are attractive to the flesh. And they are tantalizing to the flesh. Hallelujah. And the devil brings things to our minds. The devil brings thoughts to our minds. So this young man was there and then thoughts were coming. You know, I think you are old enough. Look, you can have enough of money and live independently. You live well off. You don't have to be controlled. You know, do this, do that. Aren't you old enough? And then a young man in a stable home just takes off. And oftentimes, we also have certain stable situations, stable conditions. And then the devil brings toss to our mind. The devil is always bringing toss to your mind. And then you take off. You see, one such stable situation is marriage. A lot of people have stable marriages. But you see, the devil is bringing thoughts to your mind. Thoughts, did you see this? Did you see that? You know, I mean, you are not a child. In the 21st century, women are not supposed to be treated like that. You see? And then these thoughts are coming to you. Yo, he doesn't love you. Look how he said ABC. It means no love. When you add A, B, and C, it means no love. Do you understand? And see, then thoughts are coming to your mind. Thoughts are coming to your mind. Meanwhile, you see that there are good things in a marriage. So you see, as you allow these thoughts to occur to you, you you see that they start falling into your heart. And then you take decisions. Many people do that. Many people are here and a lot of, you see, you see, one thing with the blessing is that um, you will not know when you are in a blessed situation, when you are in a blessed condition, you will not know. You will not know until you get out. You take yourself out of the blessing. Then you will know that you, this was a blessing. That is how you know. You see, a lot of you are here in this country. And you don't even know you are blessed. You complain. Do you understand? You murmur. You complain. And you say all kinds of things. Do you understand? You say all kinds of things. But you see, you are not glad every day that you wake up that I'm so blessed. That you are blessed. But the day that you are removed, do you understand? Or the day, you see, if you are taken out of this, then you will know that this is a blessing. Do you know how many people also would like to be where you are. Now, the people that want to be where you are, they see this as a blessing. But you don't see it as a blessing. Even the, um, the, 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 the um, New York that you are in, that you are complaining. Do you understand? There are so many people who think that it will be a blessing if they are in New York. But for you, you think that the blessing, real blessing is in Wisconsin or Ohio or Florida <laughs> where the weather is warm. No snow. So small snow, then you are complaining. Now I can't come to church and you are complaining. You understand what I'm sharing with you? You see, when you are in a blessed place, when you are in a blessed thing, you cannot tell. You don't know until you are taken out of it. Until you, you remove yourself or you get out of the blessing. Many of you do not know that you are, you are blessed to be in this church. 
Many of you don't know that you are blessed to be in this church and that you are coming to church, you, you think you have done somebody a favor. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So you don't appreciate it. You don't appreciate it. But when you remove yourself, when you remove yourself and you are out and then you see other things, then you realize that, in fact, I was blessed. This church has been a blessing to so many of you. You have no idea. I'm telling you. Whether you like it or not, I'm telling you. Been a blessing, a blessing, real blessing to so many of you. The day you remove yourself, then you see. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Then you will see. You see, for instance, you see this camp meeting. You see, you don't see yourself as a real blessing that you have the opportunity to go to the camp. Some of you that have made it, you think, you now I've made a pastor happy. What else? What else does he want? You see? But you don't see it as a blessing. Today, somebody sent me a message. Someone sent me a message, and the person is asking about non-UD, non-UD members, people who are not part of the United Denomination, people who are not part of our church, people who don't belong to our church. Can they come for the camp? And I said, no. You see, there are people who are not in this, who see it as a great blessing because they have heard that, hey, this bishop, I hear he's coming to Florida. I hear he's coming to Florida. And can I come? And I said, no, you can't come. But you see, you who are in it, oh, you, oh. Next time, next one, next one, next one. I'll go for the next one. You don't see it as a blessing. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? When you are in a blessing, sometimes you can see it. You can see that this is a real blessing. Amen. Amen. But let us open our eyes to see the blessing that God has blessed us with. The things that God has blessed us so that we appreciate it. Some of you don't know that you have a bless. A, you are blessed to have a good pastor. <laughs> you don't even know. You don't even know. You don't clap. You see? You are not happy. <laughs> if I didn't say clap, you wouldn't clap. Now you are clapping. Jackie, do you see? Yeah. Huh? Oh, anyway, do you see the people? They don't take me photographs. Huh? To really say that they are blessed. But now that I'm saying it, that is, you see? You have, to be, you have to appreciate what God has given you. But other, other, other times, you will find out when the thing is taken away. When it's taken away. After camp meeting, for instance, and then the thing is taken away. Then you say, oh. <laughs> okay, let's continue our message. All right. Then we talk about a major decision for a major breakthrough. Do you remember? Do you remember all these messages? A major decision for a major breakthrough. Amen. We said that if we are to make 
any major breakthrough, we need to take a major decision. Let's look at that scripture, verse 17, from verse 17 in this um, very chapter. Verse 17 says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. You see, if you look at the preceding verse, go back to verse 16. Verse 15. 15. It says, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now, this was the young man making decisions. When he was broke, this is a young man who has taken half of his father's property and he has taken off. He has gone to a far country and the Bible says he wasted his substance, his goods, his property, his money. He wasted it with riotous living with harlots, living wild life, going to clubs, discos, drinking with friends, doing all kinds of things. And then he lost everything. He lost everything. And instead of making or taking a major decision, he was finding ways out. He was trying to find a way out. And so he made a decision to join himself to a citizen of that country the country that he has gone to. He joined himself to a citizen. And what did the citizen do? The citizen will offer what he has. So the citizens were trying to help him. So he sent him to feed swine, to feed pigs, to work on a pig farm. You see, so that was a decision. Wasn't it a decision? It was a decision to join himself. At least it would be embarrassing to be just homeless and, or be hungry and die from hunger. Let me join, find a job, find something. So he made a decision, but that decision was a minor decision, and it brought him very small change. The only difference that decision made was that he was now having a job of working on a pig farm. But did they help him? Look at the next verse, verse 17. It says, he, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. He was, he was yearning to eat the food that the swine, the pigs were eating. And even that, they wouldn't give. Besides his pay that they would give him at the end of, he would not get that food to eat. Do you understand the scripture? And then verse 17 said, and when he came to himself, say came to himself. And when he came to himself, he said, this is why he said to he says, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? This is analysis. He's making analysis of his condition. So he's looking at the situation that he's in and he's comparing to where he was, where he's coming from. And he says, in my father's house, even the servants have enough bread to eat. And even they can spare some people. And I'm here and I'm perishing with hunger. Then he made a decision. Look at that. He says, I will arise. I will not stay in this situation forever. I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. So he's putting his plan. He's making decision. 
He has made a decision. He says, I will arise. And this is what I'm going to do. I will go to my father. I will go to my father. And this is what I'm going to tell him. That I have sinned against you and against heaven. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Make me as one of thy hired servants. This is what he has made the decision to do. This is a major decision. Hallelujah. It's a major decision. But the most important thing that I want you to notice is that the Bible says he came to himself. He came to himself. You see, there are many of us who are in horrible situations, horrible conditions, but we have not come to ourselves. We have not come to ourselves. And we continue to be in that situation because we have not even realized it. We have not recognized it. We have not made analysis of our situation. Amen. Amen. We, and we will continue to be in a situation until you make a decision. And until you carry out a decision. Amen. Amen. A lot of people are not willing to make major decisions. They are not willing to make major decisions. But we say that there are three steps to this. First, to recognize that you are in a bad situation. You must recognize. You see, people can point out to you. People can show you. But until you recognize that this is a bad situation. This is a horrible situation. Some of us are in a horrible situation, but we can't recognize it. Or we refuse to recognize it. Then number two, you need to take the decision to come out of it. You need to take a decision to come out of it. You have to say to yourself, I will arise and leave this place and go to my father's house. I will arise. I will, I will arise and leave. So you have to make a decision to come out of this condition. And number three, you actually act on the decision. You actually act on the decision. Many people are in horrible situations, horrible conditions. You know that the job that you have, you need to do something about it. You know that it is bringing financial hardship. There's always financial difficulties and challenges for you. You need to say, I will arise. But you see, you will not make a major decision. And we were sharing that there are some people, instead of making a major decision, they make small, minor decisions, such as twist your resume a little bit, you know? Instead of going to school, for instance, you know that the way things are, you need to go to school to move you away from this condition. You need to study something, do a course, take a course. But now you just twist your resume, and instead of housekeeping, Services, you say you are a building service technician, <laughs> you see, and you, 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 you're polishing. You, what you need is a degree, or what you need is a certificate of some course that you have completed some course, but you say you are building service technician specialist, you are a full service specialist, you see. And so you move from, so now, okay, you stop mapping, so you are now full service, but the same salary. Maybe one dollar extra. But you know that your situation, one dollar is not what you need. 
And you need to recognize that. You need to identify and say, one dollar extra is not what I need. I need more than that. I need three times what I'm making right now. And that can come by you going to school. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yes. And you have to make that decision. Amen. So you have to recognize that your situation is bad. You have to recognize that your situation is bad. Some of us are in awful relationships. You are in a bad relationship. And you need to come out. You need to come out. First, you have to recognize that this relationship is bad. I need to come out. I need to come out. But you see, that is a major decision. And you will not make that decision. But you twist around it a little bit. Instead of, okay, I will, I will not be sleeping with him three times a week. You know, I'll make it once a week. You say, gradually, I will get out. Gradually. <laughs> so instead of three times a week, once a week, I will, I will get out eventually. Is <laughs> somebody understanding what? You see, you need a major decision. A major decision to get out of that relationship. Get out and say, I will arise. I will arise and get out. You see, this young man, he made a decision and he arose and he got out. He got out. Amen. Many people do not want to recognize or they don't even recognize their situation. And some have recognized, but they refuse to take a decision. They have recognized that I understand that my situation is not good. I understand that I'm not supposed to be living with this man. I understand that I'm not supposed to be living with this woman. I understand that our relationship, the situation is not a marriage type and we have to fix it. I understand that. But you see, you have not taken a decision to correct the condition. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? There are some also who have taken the decision but they have still not on it. I know I have to go to school. I will go to school. I will go to school. Next year, I will go. Next year, I will register. And then they go and register and get the forms, and then they don't go. And they apply for financial aid, they get the financial aid, and they spend the money. You see, you cannot, you cannot go up. You cannot go forward unless you make a major decision. Now, one thing that you have to understand about major decision is that it comes with embarrassment sometimes. It comes with embarrassment. And you have to embrace it. This young man, I believe that by the time he was ready and he was going, all kinds of thoughts came to him. Oh, people will laugh at you. You took all your father's money. Because maybe when he was living, uncles and aunties were talking to him. No, you can't do that. Young man, you can't do that. Why? Don't go. Don't. He says, I'm going. I'm old enough. I can be on my own. I know what I'm doing. I have my plans. You see? And so he decided, and then he left. Against all counseling, advice, and everything. So when he was making a decision to come back, all these things must have come to him. Sometimes you feel embarrassed that as a grown man, you are going to sit in a classroom with 
all these young people, you know, they call you any name that they want. Who can be your child? Some of you, you can go and sit in a classroom and some of the students are your, 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 your children's classmates. Some of, the children, some of the students are your children's classmates. And then you are asking them for their notes. <laughs> you see? And then say, oh, I want to come to your house for... You say, no, 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 no. Don't come to my house. You don't want your children even to see your own classmates. You see, it comes with embarrassment. But that is a major decision. This young boy took a major decision and it was accompanied with embarrassment. That people will laugh at you. People will say all kinds of things. Oh, look, he didn't do well. Now he has come back. Oh, look, he did, that, this happened. Now he's back. This happened. He has wasted all his father's money. Now he's back in the house to come for more. People will say all kinds of things, but he overlooked them. He overlooked them. And he says, I will arise. I will go. And the Bible says, and he arose. Did you see that? Look at that. He said, and he arose. He said, I will arise. And he arose. If you say, I will go to school, go to school. It's not just saying, I will go. When? Next semester. Oh, the fall. The spring. The summer. You see? And time is going. But he said, the moment he said, it's two scriptures apart. Look at the verse 19. Go back, please. He says, he says, and I'm no more worthy, verse 18. He says, I will arise. I will. This is to himself. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Then he says, and he arose. And he arose and came to his father, just as he said. And came to his father. But when he was yet a great way of his father, you see, you have no idea. Just all you need to do is to act. Just act. Sometimes you think, I can't do it. Oh, no. The way I'm old now, I can't do this. I can't do that. Look. Someone said, if you can remember phone numbers, people's phone numbers, or your own phone number, you can remember. You can learn. Do you understand? You can learn. You see, there are some people, the other day I was talking to a patient and I said, what's your name? He doesn't remember his name. I said, where are you? Do you know where you are? He said, I don't know. Do you know what date is today? What, what, what year are we in? He said, I don't know. What is the month? I don't know. Is that, that kind of person? I said, who is the president? Anyone knows who the president is? You see? He says, I don't know. You see, that kind of person... But if you can remember things, you can remember phone numbers. Only your phone number. You can learn. It means you have a mind to re- retain something. You can learn. Little by little, you will get there. Some of you need to make decisions to go to school. Amen. Major decision, it comes with pain. It comes with pain. Hateful feelings. Do you understand? Hateful feelings. There are certain relationships that you have to break and it will hurt feelings, but you have to break them. You have to break them. If you want to move forward, 
You have to break certain relationships. There are certain relationships that you are in that is not conducive. It's not conducive. Amen. It's not conducive. And you have to come out. You have to come out. You, you, you know the way things are going, that this person is not going to marry you. But you are following the person and following the person and following the person. and He's fo- not going to marry you. If the person would have married you, you have married you already. You have to come out. Say, come out. come out. Major decision. Sometimes it comes with losing certain pleasure. Losing certain pleasure. Such as, now you can't have anyone to sleep with. Do you understand? Because you, you're supposed to... <laughs> You're spoiling the message. <laughs> but it's a major decision. But isn't that so? It's a major decision. But I tell you, whenever you make major decisions, and major decisions, it comes with, you see, the, the young man said, I have sinned against you and against heavens. Whenever you are making major decisions based on the scriptures, you see that God will always make a way for you. You think nobody's going to sleep with you? You'll be married. I said, you'll be married. Oh, yes. You just get out of this. You'll be married in no time. The Bible says, your heavenly father knows that you also have need of these things. He said, don't, he says, he said do not be like the unbelievers. Don't be like them. Don't look for pleasure like the unbelievers. But your heavenly father knows that you also have feelings. You also have need of these things. Do you understand? Say you have need of these things. But you see, we don't make certain decisions based on God. And we are also not faithful with God. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Or you don't understand? I tell you, small decisions, they come with small changes. Small changes. Small changes. Small changes. Make major decision. Make major decision. Then we talk about the elder brother. We said a a lot of things about the elder brother. We learned so many things from the elder brother. We can't go through all of them, but quickly, what I want, I just want to summarize that what we learn from the elder brother is that when we don't have the father's heart, when we don't have the heart of God, then no matter how hard we work for him, we are not happy. When we don't have the heart of God. When we don't have the father's heart, no matter how hard we work for him, we can work so hard for him, we realize that we are not happy. Amen. We should always look for what the father likes, what pleases the father. We should always look at what makes the father throw parties and then do that thing. The thing that we will do to make the father throw party, then you become the focus of a party. Do you understand? You see, the preceding verses of this particular parable that Jesus told to explain what he was saying. Go back to verse 3. Verse 3. You see, Luke 15, verse 3, it says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, 
that not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. He said, what man will not do that? That he will lose one sheep. This is the father. Do you understand? That he will lose one sheep. The Bible says he will, he will leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. Now that should tell you that when one of the father's sheep is lost, all his attention is on that sheep. So his attention is not even on you. He leaves the 99 and he goes. He says, and he will go until he finds it. All his attention is on that lost sheep. So the best place to place yourself is to be with the father searching for the lost sheep. Then his attention will be on you. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Then his attention will be. So he says, and when he finds it, look at that. Go keep the. And when he had found it, he laid it on his shoulder, rejoicing, rejoicing. So you want to see the father happy with you? Help him find his lost sheep. I tell you, you can work with the father, do so much work for the father. If you don't have his heart, you are not doing what is pleasing him, you will not be happy. What will make the father throw a party? What will make the father have parties is that he has found one of them. He says he returns, he comes back rejoicing. Rejoicing. He places the sheep around his neck. Rejoicing. So he says, and when he cometh, when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Rejoice with me. Let's have a party. Because I have found my sheep which was lost. You see, so when we call for evangelism, and you say, oh, it's too cold. Oh, I'm too tired. I have laundry to do. Laundry to do? The father is out looking for his lost sheep, and you are doing your laundry? And then Sunday, you come and you rearrange chairs and polish his house and saying, polish. He's still, his mind is on the lost sheep. But you are here. Is somebody understand what? So he says, the next verse, he says, the next verse, he says, I say unto you that likewise, likewise, the same way, the same way, likewise means what? Similarly, or the same way. He says, likewise, joy shall be in heaven. Joy shall be in heaven. I'm telling you the thing that makes a father throws party. Organize parties in heaven. Let the angels rejoice. Come together, let's rejoice. It is the thing that should be on your heart also. That is what makes you come to the focus of the father. He says, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented. More than over the 99, just, pers- just persons. More joy. So you see, we can be 99 here having praise and worship and the joy in heaven is not the same as just one sinner that says, I give my life to Christ. Wow. Wow. Mabel, it's amazing. So if we want something from the Father, just let your heart be where the Father's heart is. You see, one of the things that has made our church, the lighthouse, move so far and going forward, it is this key. It is this key. 
that the church seemed to be in the focus of God's heart, searching the lost, going all over the world, preaching to the lost. And that the, the father is celebrating the church, celebrating the church. Because every day the father wakes up, there is some lost sheep that has been found again. And they are going to another place to have another um, crusade. They are going here to find thousands of souls, more parties in heaven. So the church becomes a focus of celebration in heaven. And when the church is not in that focus, the church dies. Because the father's mind is not here. The father is still searching. And when the father's mind is not in a place, the place dies. So you see, this elder brother, he didn't know that whilst he was working so hard in the house, the father every day was outside looking out. So he will come out back sweating, you know, has worked all day in the father's farm and sweating. The father is not even seeing him. The father's mind is outside looking for the day that this lost son will come. And the day that lost son arrives, he says, kill the father. He says, put a robe on him. Put a fine robe. Suddenly, let's organize a party. Suddenly, all the servants in the house who are working so hard, now they have a party. But until then, there was no party. Hallelujah. You understand what I'm sharing with you? So we learned so many things about the lost son, about the, um, the prodigal son the um, elder brother. You remember all those things. Then we talk about the father, his property, the sons and the servants. You remember all of that. We said that the father has property. The father has estate. The Bible says that the young son, he came to his father and said, give me a share of your goods. Give me a share of your estate. Give me my share of your property. And he divided his goods unto them. So we said that the goods of the house, they belong to the children, not the servants. The goods belong to the children. And I said, no matter how hard you work in the father's house, if you do not become a son or a daughter, you do not have a share of his goods. When the younger son went to him, the Bible says, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Between the sons. Between the sons. Amen. Not the servants. Though the servants were in the house also. Working very hard. But he divided his goods among the sons. You can, as a servant, you can join the celebrations. You can be in the celebration when there's a party in the house. Yes, you are also enjoying just as the servant came out. He says, your younger brother has returned and your father is having a party and we are all happy. You see? So as a servant in the house, you can join the celebration, but the real estate of the father, it belongs to the children. So you can be in the house, you can be in the house and you are not born again. You, are not, you have not been given the power to become a son or a daughter. You can join the praise and worship. We can, we, can have, we can break bread and you are with us. You are eating and you are enjoying and you are doing all kinds of things. But the real estate of the house, it belongs to the children. It belongs to the children. The children are free to do anything they want. The children. 
Hallelujah. Then we say that if you are a son or a daughter also, you have to ask what is yours and the father will give you. You have to ask what is yours. There's the father's estate and says the world, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The people in the earth, all the people that are in the earth, they belong to the father. So whatever you want, you have to ask the father. If it is a husband you want, ask the father. He says, the earth is the Lord. And all the people, the fullness thereof, everything that is in the earth, it belongs to the father. Your father's estate is large, but you don't ask. Sometimes we are sick and we don't even ask the father. We need a job, you don't ask the father. Somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Whatever you need, ask the father. You see, the young, the young son, he came to the father and said, give me my estate, the share of my estate. And the father divided his share, divided the goose, and gave him his share. You have not received it because you have not asked. But he said, if we seek, we will find. The goose in the house, they belong to you. If the father has peace, it is yours. If the father has health, it is yours. If the father has money, it is yours. He said, the silver and the gold, they are mine. They are yours. The father does not need them. The father's property, when the boy came, he divided them between them. He divided and gave to them. He didn't keep any. They are yours. Say they are mine. Say they are mine. Amen. But you have to ask for it. Hallelujah. And the last thing that I want to add to conclude this message is that when the father gives you a share of his property, it is not intended to remove you from his house. Can I have an amen? amen. When, the, when, when you, get, you receive a share of the father's blessings, when you receive a share of the father's goods, it is not intended to remove you from the house. It is not intended for you to take off. Hallelujah. The Bible says he divided his goods between them. There were two sons. He divided between them, but one remained in the house and one took off. But the father's blessing is never intended to remove you from the house. The fact that you have a new job does not mean that you should not be in the church. The father, the father's blessing, the father has shared his blessings and you have received a part of it. That now you have this job does not mean that you should not be in church. The fact that you have, the father's blessings of marriage has reached you, you have taken a share of the father's blessing and you are married, does not mean that you should not come to church. Does not mean that it should take you far away from the father. Some of you, when you receive a share of the goods, you take off into a far country. Into a far country. You are married, so you don't come to church anymore. The father's goods of children, when you have received your share, does not mean that you should stay away from the father's house. Because now you have children, you want children and you have children, so you don't come to church anymore. That should not take you away from the father's house. Amen. The father's blessing of having a means, the ability to go to school, should not take you away from the father's house. 
that now you, you, I'm, I'm too busy. I have 16 credits. So what? 16 credits. You have 17 credits. So what? The fact that the father has opened a door for you that you can go to school does not mean that you should leave his house. Amen. So you don't stop coming to church just because you have received a portion of the father's house, of father's blessing. You don't take off because I have my goose. The Bible says the young man, as soon as he received, as soon as he received his goose, the father divided, and not many days after, some of you, you are in the church, you don't have a job, and every time we see you, every time you are here, every meeting you are here, when you don't have a job. I see, I, I'm a pastor, and I see this all the time. All the time. You don't have a job, so every meeting, prayer meetings, weekday service, every meeting you are here, and then you have a job, and then we can't see you anymore. So the fact that you receive a share of your goods does not mean that take off and go. The father's blessing is intended for you to continue to love the father. The young son, he received, the elder son, he received his goods, but he was in the house. He was in the house. And the father says, all that I have is yours. There is more in the father's house for you. Not that just that job for you to take off. Not that, you see, and you will go and you will come back. There's new rope in the house still for you. New ring in the house for you. So the blessings, they are in the house. So don't take off with your cheap 16 credits and 17 credits. And say, because of that, I can't come to church. Put your hands together for the Lord. And stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Say, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I remain in the father's house. Say, thank you for the blessings of a son. The blessings of a daughter. I will remain in the father's house. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have taught us through this series of messages. We thank you, Father. You have taught us so many things. We're giving your life to Jesus. You are not born again. And you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. The Father is out there searching for you. Looking out for the day that you will welcome him. The day that you will come back to him. If you are here tonight, you will be a cause for celebration in heaven. He says, when one of such lost come back to me, there is more joy in heaven than over the 90 and 9 who need no repentance. Tonight you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. I want to be born again. Pastor, pray with me. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. If that is you, if that is your prayer, wherever you are, just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. Is there anyone like that? Anyone like that? You want to give your life to Jesus? You want to welcome Jesus Christ into your life right now? Anyone here like that? Lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. Anyone here like that? Do not leave this place without giving your life to Jesus. Anyone here like that? 
Father, we are thankful and grateful for the gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you have caused us to become sons and daughters of the house. Lord, give us the spirit to guide us, to remain in the house. Let not anything take us away from the house. Let not the blessings of the house, the blessings of your goods, the blessings of your estate, let it not take us away from your house. We glorify your name. We give you praise and adoration in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Clap your hands together for Jesus and you may be seated. We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.